fans to episode number 43 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. The Rangers coming off of a rough 6-3 loss at the Garden against the Toronto Maple Leafs last night. And really, you know, it was a game that the Rangers were in. It wasn't perfect through two periods, but they did go into the third period, tied 3-3, with a chance to win the game. And as we all know, the Rangers, for the most part, have been at their best in the third period this season. They have one of the best, you know, plus-minus goal differentials in the league in the third period. So despite the game not being perfect to that point, you're still optimistic about your chances heading into the final 20 minutes. However, it just wasn't meant to be. The Rangers, you know, kind of let this one get away from them. Georgiev gave up kind of a soft goal at the start of the third period, and that kind of just set the tone going forward. And the Rangers, of course, go on to lose the game 6-3. to And really, I felt like this game was kind of a microcosm of the Rangers' season to this point. I mean, the effort is there. The heart is there. I mean, I really think that, you know, the Rangers this season very rarely have lost games due to a lack of effort. And you might hear that and say, like, well, you should never lose a game due to a lack of effort because this is your job. You're getting paid, you know, millions or at least hundreds of thousands to go out there and, you know, put the, put your best effort forward and do everything you can to win the game. And that is true to an extent, but these teams play 82 games. Hockey is a very physically demanding sport. It's a very mentally demanding sport. And most teams, at least a couple of times a season, are going to get caught a little bit flat-footed. And for the most part this season, and again, we're about a third of the way through the season here, I don't think that's happened to the Rangers. It, I mean, a couple of times, yes, but for the most part, I think this team, they go out there and they they really do, you know, give it their best every time they're on the ice. I thought that was also true of last night, despite the mistakes that they made. Because, yeah, we can't just, you know, just say that, oh, well, hey, they tried really hard, so everything's cool. No, because they're, this was not a good game for the Rangers overall. There were too many mistakes. There were way too many turnovers. There were far too many shots allowed, uh, 40 to be exact, way too many odd man rushes given up to the Maple Leafs. I mean, you can't give up that many odd man rushes and live to tell about it. There were too many defensive lapses and, you know, inconsistent goaltender play as well. I mean, Georgiev has played very well recently, and he, to be fair, he even made a couple of really nice stops in this game too, I thought. You know, and that's despite giving up six goals, but, you know, bottom line, he just did not have his A game tonight. I would say at least two and likely really three uh, what I would consider soft goals uh, allowed by Georgiev in this game here tonight. So we're going to go through the game like we typically do, you know, the day after a game. And then at the end, we're also going to take a look at the Rangers' upcoming schedule. They've got a pair. Their next four games are a pair of back-to-backs. And two of them are going to be this Sunday and Monday. And then you get the Christmas break. And then after that, you get a back-to-back on Friday and Saturday as well. We're going to talk about why that might actually be a good thing for the Rangers. But as for the game itself, you know, Georgiev got off to a good start in this one. The Rangers, again, you know, we, we talked about the mistakes and the turnovers, and the Rangers are on the power play, and Truba tries to get a pass to Fox, and then Hyman just steals the puck away, goes in on a breakaway, but Georgiev stays with him all the way, smothers the puck, keeps the game scoreless at that point. 
but then the Leafs get on the scoreboard first. They're having the better of play in the first period. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And they finally crack the scoreboard, a little tic-tac-toe goal, and Engvall finishes from the slot to make it one nothing. Uh, I'm not going to put this one really on Georgiev. I mean, this is one of those goals where I think the Leafs just kind of outworked the Rangers a little bit. And I've talked about how, you know, my favorite kind of goal for my team is whenever my team outworks the other team. They just flat out outwork them. They want the puck more, and they just want to make a play more than the opponents do. But in this case, you know, the Rangers, they didn't do anything egregiously wrong here, but I thought maybe they could have put a little bit more pressure on the puck at certain points because the Leafs had control in the Rangers zone. They were kind of just passing around the perimeter. Eventually, they work it into Engvall, and he scores from the slot, so it's one nothing. Rangers almost get it back. Kreider with some really good hustle. He gets to a loose puck along the boards, and he centers to Zibanejad, but Zibanejad fires a shot off the post, and then the Leafs make it 2 to nothing. Uh, Georgiev really, he's got nobody to blame here but himself. I mean, he gets to the puck behind his own net, and he tries to just kind of send, like, you know, a quick sudden pass to Zibanejad and just kind of threw the puck away there. I don't really know what he was doing, but bottom line, Leafs get the puck back toward the net, and Georgiev makes the initial save, but Nylander buries the rebound, and just like that, 2 to nothing, Leafs. And it's getting late in the first period. It's still 2 to nothing, but the Rangers do get one back. Brady Shea shoots the puck into the zone around the boards, and Kreider makes a great play to deflect the puck toward the center of the ice to Zabanajad. And Zabanajad works it back to Shea because Shea at this point has gone to the net. He's right there on the doorstep. And Shea scores on like a changeup. Like he clearly didn't get all of this shot. And Shea was actually laughing about it a little bit. But bottom line, it goes off the stick of Brady Shea and into the net. It gets through uh, Freddie Anderson. And it's 2-1 to one at that point. The Leafs kind of got caught puck chasing here, and no one was really there to contend with Shea. And Shea makes them pay for it. But the Rangers are picking it up at this point. They're starting to find their legs a little bit. And they score to make it 2-2 two to two before the first period ends. And really, Buchnevich made this whole thing happen because he goes in on the forecheck behind the Leafs' net. He intercepts a pass, and he dishes in front to Panarin. Panarin slides a pass across the crease to Ryan Strom, and Strom tallies from the doorstep. And Buchnevich had been slumping, and he's one of the guys, you know, we've talked about. The, the Rangers got to get a little bit more out of Pavel Buchnevich, you know. He got off to a decent start this season, and he was up near the top of the team in assists. But, you know, lately he's struggled, and they just got to get him going again. And so, like I said, a big play here, a great effort play by Buchnevich, because he went flying into the zone, and the Leafs were just kind of making, you know, a fairly routine pass behind the net, but he steps in and intercepts it. And by doing that, he created this whole thing. He moves it in front of Panarin. Panarin dishes over to Strom. Strom puts it in the net. And I thought it was kind of tough for the Rangers that the period was ending here because these last five, six minutes here, they had really taken control of this game. They got two goals in the last six minutes. And, you know, there have been times this season where, you know, I think the Rangers sometimes have been bailed out by the buzzer because, you know, the game starts to get away from them a little bit and maybe their opponents are buzzing in their zone a little. And, you know, the, the period will end. And then with, with the end of the period also comes a chance to regroup in the locker room. And unfortunately, you know, it came at the wrong time for the Rangers here because, like I said, they were really starting to find their game. They'd erase this 2 nothing deficit to come back and tie it at 2. And unfortunately, you know, the buzzer hits. But that's just hockey. You know, that's the way it works. They play 20 minutes and you get an intermission. You play 20 minutes, you get another intermission. And, you know, it is what it is. And you just got to find a way if you're the Rangers to try to carry that momentum back out of the locker room and into the second period. So the second period starts, and unfortunately, you know, the Rangers not quite able to sustain that momentum that they had late in the first period because it's all Leafs in the first couple of minutes here. Brady Shea was almost faked out of his skates on this play. You know, it resulted in a early breakaway opportunity for the Leafs, but Georgiev comes up big to make the stop there, keeps the game tied at two for the time being, and then the Leafs get a 
two-man advantage, a five-on-three power play. Marner moves along the left circle, and he tries to pass in deep to Tavares on the doorstep, but the puck deflects off of Brady Shea's stick and goes into the net. I mean, I it's it doesn't look good, you know, because Brady Shea sticks out his stick, and he's got to know that the puck can take a bounce like this. I get why he did it. He's try- I mean, the Rangers are back on their heels. It's a five-on-three. It, you're really really kind of handcuffed when you're a penalty killer on a five-on-three. There's really not a whole lot you can do. You can't really pressure the puck because if you, you know, sort of leave your post, it's going to open up God only knows how many, you know, passing lanes. And Shea here, he's trying to make the play. He's trying to corral the puck and I'm sure just fling it out of there as fast as he can. Unfortunately, he knocks the puck into the net and just like that, the Leafs go up three to two. And then the Rangers get one back, and, you know, we've talked about how the Rangers need to shoot more. I mean, that's been a topic of conversation on here, on, you know, the Ranger broadcast, on Twitter. I mean, pretty much anywhere. You know, if you ask just about any Ranger fan right now what one of the biggest issues is, I mean, you know what I'm going to say. I'm going to say too many penalties. But a lot of people are going to say that they just don't shoot the puck enough, and I agree with that. And if you want a prime example of why, you know, when in doubt, you should just fling the puck at the net, this is it right here. Because the Rangers, they win an offensive zone draw. They maintain possession, you know, along the perimeter. Everything's being kept to the outside. Stahl has the puck at the blue line, and he just decides, you know what, why not? I'm just going to flick the puck at the net here. And it's not a high percentage shot. He's not shooting from, you know, prime real estate on the ice. But in doing this, in taking this shot, if you're Mark Stahl here, what you do is, you know, you create hope for, you know, maybe he scores. Maybe it's just a soft goal that gets let in by Freddie Anderson, or maybe Freddie Anderson is screened in the puck gets through him, or maybe there's a deflection either off one of the Rangers or off of one of the Maple Leafs, or maybe what happens right here is what happens because the puck is knocked down and it basically just lands at the feet of Pavel Buchnevich. You know, the Maple Leafs block the shot, but Buchnevich is right there. And as soon as the puck lands at his feet, Buchnevich shoots and scores and ties the game at three early in the second period. Again, you know, when in doubt, sometimes you got to do this. And in this game, the Rangers still not shooting the puck enough. They were outshot 40 to 22. But this is just an example of why you just put the puck at the net. And again, this shot, it's not like Stahl had an excellent opportunity here. And it's not like it was a high percentage shot. But the bottom line is, when you put the puck at the net, good things happen. That it really is a saying that I believe in, and we saw it right here. Because, again, this shot didn't even get through. It was blocked, but just like that, you know, it's right on Buchnevich's stick, and he's able to, you know, just snap a shot home. So we move to the third period here, and, you know, if you're a Ranger fan and you've really paid attention to this team this season, you're still feeling all right at this point. Because, yes, this game has not been perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but bottom line, the Rangers are going to the third period tied 3-3 to with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And as we all know, the Rangers have done their best work in the third period this season. They, they've kind of had that clutch gene where they're at their best when it's all on the line. And again, here, you know, it's a tie game. It's a 20-minute hockey game at this point because you're tied you got to just win one period to win the game, and the Rangers have been very, very good at that this season. I believe they are, they're near the top of the league. I don't know what it is now. You know, there's been a few games since I last checked this, but bottom line, Rangers top three, four, five in the league as far as goal differential goes in the third period. But it just wasn't meant to be on this night, and we got kind of a tone setter just two minutes into the third period here. So the Leafs, they break out on a three-on-two, yet another odd man rush for Toronto, and Matthews just moves up the center of the ice, and he passes to his right to to Nylander, who's moving up the right wing, and Nylander just shoots and scores. I mean, it it just went right through Georgiev. I gotta be honest here, this is a soft goal. This is a shot that Georgiev's gotta come up with, and like, like we said, you know, he's played very well recently, but this was just not his night, and I'm not sure if this goal kind of took the wind out of the Rangers' sails a little bit, but this was the start of... Really a, a forgettable period for the Rangers, just just a poorly played period. 
And it's just weird to see this because the Rangers have been so good in the third period this season. And in this game in particular, they've already erased a 2-0 deficit to come back and tie the game. They've also erased a 3-2 deficit to come back and tie the game. So, you know, coming into the third period, you're really thinking like, man, this game this game is ours for the taking. But yeah, like we said, you know, just not meant to be on this night. And then there's another really bad goal that gives the Maple Leafs a 5-3 lead. So the Rangers, it looks like they're going to clear the zone. And Strom has the puck along the boards, and he's pretty close to his own blue line. And there's not really any pressure here from the Leafs, but... Strom, for whatever reason, just didn't seem like he knew what he wanted to do with the puck. And for whatever reason, he looked to then pass back along the boards to Panarin. Unfortunately, Marner is right there, and he intercepts the pass and basically just skates toward the net and shoots and scores. And it's 5-3 to three Leafs. Can't put this one on Georgiev because this really came from out of nowhere and should have never happened in the first place. Just, you know, and Strom has been great this year, but you know you got to call it like you see it. This is a bad turnover here, and it's, it's, it results in a 5-3 to three lead for the Leafs. And what's so frustrating here is you come into this period tied at three, and you've just given them two goals. You know, a soft goal on the first one and a bad turnover on the second one. And just like that, you know, a tie game becomes a two-goal deficit. And now, yeah, you know, there's still time. The Rangers can come back again. But how many times in the same game can you keep coming back from behind? I mean, they've already done it twice, and now they've dug themselves into a two-goal hole at this point. And then the Leafs get the dagger, you know, late in the third period. There's about 3.30 to go at this point, but the Leafs make a pass in the neutral zone and, and a bad play by Brett Howden. The puck just goes right through him. He just let it go basically right between his legs. It goes right to Mikheyev, and he scores on a wrist shot to make it 6-3. And Georgiev, you know, he's not happy after this. He slams his, his stick. Uh, rare off night for Georgiev, at least recently. You know, he's like we said, he's played very well, but again, tonight not his night. And the Leafs go on to the 6-3 victory. We've also got some breaking news hot off the presses here. Leas Anderson has apparently requested a trade from the New York Rangers. And there's a lot of different ways you can look at this. I mean, to begin with, the Rangers, really, the way that they've handled him, and again, he's bounced up and down between the Rangers and Wolfpack over the last three years. And for anyone who needs a refresher, Leas Anderson was the Rangers' first-round draft pick in 2017. He went seventh overall. So the Rangers had big plans for him, and it really has not come together. The Rangers have not done him any favors by the way they've managed him when he's been on you know, the NHL squad, the New York Rangers, because this season especially was, was really egregious because he was out there. He never played anywhere other than the fourth line. And if you're on the fourth line, you're only going to get so many opportunities to make things happen. And yeah, I mean, you got to earn your way up in the lineup a little bit, but when you're putting a guy that you took seventh overall out there with Michael Haley, who's a fighter, or Greg McKaig, a career journeyman, or Brendan Smith, a converted defenseman, what is he supposed to do? I mean, how is he supposed to, you know, produce all kinds of offensive fireworks? You're not exactly setting him up for success there. And I actually, I did an episode about Leas Anderson earlier this season. He was still on the Rangers at the time. But if you get an opportunity and you want to hear my thoughts about it, because I dedicated almost the entire episode to it, but go all the way back to episode number 18. I advocated to send Leas Anderson down to the minors just because he is only 21 years old, and clearly the Rangers, they had no plans for him uh, at the NHL level at that point. So might as well just send him down to Hartford, let him get a little bit more ice time, let him kind of hone his craft and just continue to get better. And, you know, Leas Anderson in his career with the Rangers has done absolutely nothing. And again, they have they have done him no favors. But in 66 career NHL games with the Rangers over the last three seasons, he has come up with just three goals and six assists. And this year in the 17 games that he played, just the one assist. So not exactly producing. And, you know, again, it has a lot to do with, you know, his ice time and who he's out there on the ice with. But bottom line, you know, he, he really has done nothing at the NHL level. So they sent him down to the minors and 
At times, he's played okay for the Hartford Wolfpack. I mean, so part again, part of three seasons with the Wolfpack, he has skated in 64 games, scored 15 goals, and dished out 24 assists. But this season, not quite as good. Uh, just 13 games down there, but just the four goals and the one assist and a minus nine plus minus rating. And I'm not... I'm not really the biggest plus minus guy ever. I think there's there's a little too much luck involved. It can get skewed one way or another pretty easily. It also has a lot to do with who you're sharing the ice with. And, you know, a lot of times a goal is scored, it's not necessarily your fault. And likewise, a lot of teams, you know, you might be on the ice, but your team might score and you might have next to nothing to do with it. So I'm not the biggest plus minus guy, but he is minus nine in 13 games. So he's close to, you know, minus a goal per game. And that's not good. And again, it's a small sample size, but... It just hasn't come together for Leah Anderson, certainly not in the Rangers, and really even not with the Wolfpack this year, because at least in the other two seasons with the Wolfpack, some production. I mean, he scores here and there, he gets some assists, you know, he at least makes you think that, okay, maybe this guy at some point will be a serviceable NHL player and can contribute to the Rangers. But this season, man, it's it just not working for Anderson, and he's demanded a trade. Now, if you're the Rangers, you're in a tough spot because this guy, you know, it's now public that, this, that Anderson wants to be traded, so, I mean, what do you do? Because, and I talked about this in the previous episode. Again, I spent the whole episode on it. So if you haven't heard it, go back and check out episode 18. But yeah, I mean, you have no leverage now if you're the Rangers because there's a guy who once out of town, he has basically done nothing. I mean, again, the Rangers share some blame there, but he's basically done nothing for the Rangers. And if you're a rival GM, I mean, you have to see this as a prime buy low opportunity because you won't have to give up much of anything to get Anderson because... What leg do the Rangers have to stand on here as far as their asking price for Leas Anderson is concerned? He hasn't done anything, so you're not really going to get much, maybe a very late-round draft pick or maybe just, you know, a mid-level prospect at best. But, yeah, I mean, this is not a good situation for the Rangers. And, in fact, it seems as though Anderson is no longer even with the club, so I guess he's skated in his last game with the New York Rangers organization, and it looks like these two parties heading for a messy divorce here. We've got the holiday freeze, so... There won't be any movement, and that is a good thing. I think it's nice that, you know, players can't be traded during the holidays here. But, you know, the GMs, they never sleep, so I'm sure Jeff Gordon's going to be looking around, finding out what there is to be had for Leas Anderson. And unfortunately, you know, Anderson, I guess, has just kind of forced the Rangers' hand here. If he doesn't want to play, then at some point, you know, you just got to get rid of him and take what you can get. It's unfortunate because for now, I mean, unless there's some kind of dramatic turnaround, uh, it looks like this was just a complete waste of a draft pick, and it's just not going to work out with Leas Anderson on the Rangers. And when you're trying to rebuild and, and kind of start from scratch, you can't afford to whiff with your first-round pick, much less a top-10 overall pick. And it looks like that's what's happened here with the Rangers. Frankly, I don't think either party is blameless here. I mean, the Rangers, the Rangers for the most part, have handled their young players pretty well. You know, I mean, you look at guys like Philip Heedle and Ryan Lindgren and Adam Fox and all these guys that they've drafted and all these guys that they've brought in via trade— most of these guys, you know, again, it, it's not like anyone has had a perfect season on this team, but most of these guys are developing and they are getting better. And you can see where, you know, just a year or two or three from now, they're going to be very, very good players. You haven't seen even a glimpse of that with Leas Anderson. So the Rangers have not handled him well. They have not set him up for success. But at the same time, you know, Anderson, you know, demanding a trade. I mean, he's, he's a 21-year-old kid. I mean, I, I don't know who he is to demand this trade. Because he's not even playing that well in the minors. I mean, his his career numbers in the minors before this season did not jump off the page, and this year they're worse than ever. So, I mean, he can demand a trade all he wants, and maybe he will get it, but if he thinks he's just going to go to another team and they're just going to, like, 
throw him into the starting lineup on the first line or the second line on the NHL club, then trust me, he's got another thing coming. If he does get traded, I would probably expect that he's going to that team's minor league system because, again, he just has not shown enough at the NHL level. And again, that's partly the Rangers' fault, but he has not shown enough at the NHL level to warrant being, you know, a top six forward really on any team in this league. So we'll see what happens. You know, it, it seems like it's just inevitable at this point that Anderson very soon will be an ex-Ranger. So one last thing that I wanted to talk about here, and then we'll call it a day. Uh, the Rangers have two back-to-backs coming up. I mentioned this kind of in the intro to the show. They are home against the Ducks at 12.30 on Sunday afternoon, and then they are at the Flyers on Monday night at 7. So that's a back-to-back, and then you get another back-to-back later in the week on Friday and Saturday. They will play at home against the Hurricanes on Friday and at the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday. Both those games start at 7 p.m. as well. And so the reason I think this is a, a good situation for the Rangers right now is Georgiev's been a little bit of a mixed bag. I think overall he has played well this year, but, you know, definitely a hiccup in this most recent game, and Lundqvist has struggled recently as well. So with these two back-to-backs, you can pretty much pencil in uh, each goalie for two starts. You know, both of them will get one game or the other in each of the back-to-backs, and I think it's a good time to just kind of reset here and reassess the goalie situation and just try to decide coming out of these four games who is the man. Because I really do think whoever plays better, because again, they're they're very likely to each get two starts. It's rare. It does happen sometimes where, you know, a goalie will play both games of a back-to-back, but in today's NHL, and we talked about this in, in yesterday's episode with Kevin LaBella, but backup goalies play more often, and it's become a more important position than it has been in the past, and you look at it right now with the Rangers, and it's kind of, it's a little bit of an open tryout. We've talked about this, how they, they go with the hot-hand approach with the goalie, and both these guys are going to get their opportunity to stake their claim going forward. Again, back-to-backs, both of them will play two games. And whoever plays better over this this stretch for next week, I believe will be in net against the Edmonton Oilers in their next game after these two back-to-backs. That game will be on New Year's night in Edmonton at 9 p.m. And then if neither one of them plays well, and I hope this doesn't happen, you know, I'm not hoping that this happens at all, but... If the Rangers struggle and they go, you know, say like one and three through this four-game stretch and, and neither goalie really plays very well, then it becomes entirely possible that we might see Igor Shesterkin. And they might just have to figure out a way to make room for him, whether that's, you know, trading Georgiev. And again, I'm not advocating for the trade of Georgiev because I do think he has some upside and he has played fairly well this season. But facts are facts. And it gets to a certain point where, you know, you can't ignore what Igor Shesterkin is doing in the minor leagues. He has just been a human cheat code. And at some point, you're you're going to see him on the Rangers this year. It's hard. It's getting hard to imagine a scenario where Shesterkin plays this entire season in the minors and plays not a single game for the Rangers. So that's going to do it for today, guys. Thanks again for joining. And just so that everybody has an idea of, you know, what to expect this upcoming week, because, you know, obviously we've got Christmas and all that good stuff. The idea tomorrow is there's going to be another episode. The Rangers, of course, play the Ducks at 1230 Eastern time. And the tentative plan right now is to do a crossover episode with Locked On Anaheim Ducks. So that'll be fun. We'll have that to look forward to. And then on Monday, a good friend of mine, Bobby Sampson, I've known him since college. He's one of the biggest Flyer fans you'll ever meet in your life, but we won't hold that against him too much. But he's going to be in here, talk about the Rangers matchup uh, against the Flyers and, you know, whatever else we might get into. And then on Tuesday, we're going to have part two of the interview with Kevin LaBella from the NHL Network. So that's going to be great as well. And then no show on Christmas, probably not a show on Thursday. Uh, maybe we'll do one, you know, later in the week on Friday. But uh, I'll keep you guys posted. We'll, we'll see what happens. You know, thanks for joining. 
Thanks for tuning in. If you want to get in touch with the podcast, send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Or send a tweet to at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Make sure to give us a follow on there and make sure to subscribe on whatever music service is your service of choice. Again, guys, thanks again. See you next time.